celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Sam Harvey is an endurance athlete, a coach, New Zealand champion and record holder, and tied the world record before ultimately assisting in the breaking of it in the Backyard Ultra. With a remarkable record of 677 kilometers, that's 101 loops and nonstop competition for over four days, Sam is regarded as a pioneer of the Backyard Ultras, coaching himself and others towards unknown boundless heights in this running discipline. Coming fresh off the world record-breaking Australian Masters event, he then went on to win the crazy midwinter Backyard Ultra in NZ just 10 days later, clocking in close to over a thousand kilometers in just two weeks, running and raising money for I Am Hope, a youth mental health charity. Next in his sights, among many things I'm sure, is the individual Backyard Ultra World Champs in October in Tennessee, I believe. So that's his second home, and I'm keen to hear all about how he's cruising along. Something I really like, Sam, you said, is speak your dreams, achieve the impossible, and walk tall in spite of those who doubt you. I love it all. So welcome, and where and how are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Grace. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm in Christchurch. Uh, just moved here. What's today? Wednesday. So just moved here on Sunday. Uh, back home from Auckland. I've been up there for the last two and a half years, and um, finally called it quits. And uh, yeah, moved back to my own house. And um, as you can see, it's a pretty good spot. Oh, that is epic! So you must be stoked to be back there. Yeah, very stoked. Uh, it's uh, well overdue, and uh, yeah, like just very happy to be back in my in my happy place in the middle of my training ground, ready to um, yeah, basically just build build my uh, build my professional sports career from 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 here forth. Yeah, absolutely, and far out you're doing it. I know too. I mentioned coming up in October, you're going to be back in. Tennessee I'm actually in New Jersey so I know that's a ways away but I'm excited to think you'll be in the country when are you heading over for training yeah so me and my wife head over uh on the 29th this month so we'll have three weeks in the U.S. before the race and then the race will be the best part of a week and then we'll have a few days after the race uh, before we before we come back to New Zealand, so basically the whole month of October will be in the US, which is pretty sick. That is sick. You can do the whole Halloween fall vibe and then get back to New Zealand, where hopefully it's warmer again. Exactly. Yeah, she's um she's a bit colder down here in Christchurch than Auckland. Uh, so it'll be a month of adjusting to the cooler climate and training hard, and then uh, yeah, October in the US should be pretty sweet. And then yeah, by the time we by the time we're back, the days will be longer in New Zealand and uh, and the temperature should hopefully be a bit more warmer. And, yeah. I mentioned before I did your intro, like that episode you did with Dom Harvey and you've done a bunch of interviews. So thanks for doing another one. But 
you go so yeah, I was so I was so close to cancelling on you. I was just like, I can't be fucked doing another podcast. Oh, <laughs> like no. last night I was just like, do I want do I want to talk to another person? <laughs> and then I was getting up this morning, I was like, ah, sun's shining. I've had a bit of a mood shift. Oh um <laughs> I'll humor you. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate it. I appreciate the honesty. And if you change your mind, well, no, I'm gonna make this worth your while. So thank you. <laughs> nah, it's good. Good. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm not going to get into the the things that people can find if they listen to Dom's one, but part of it that really piqued my interest is the tall poppy syndrome that you talked about. So, uh, <laughs> just in your own words, can you define what tall poppy syndrome is, or maybe your experience with it? Yeah, of course. Um, I guess tall poppy culture is the punishment of excellence essentially it's it's raising your head too high and and getting brought down to the to to the average level um by others i think you want to be really technical going back to like the origins of it it was first coined in like 500 bc and it was the last king of rome sent a message to his son to uh to weaken a city called Gabii in Rome. And it was basically, he wanted to send the message, but he didn't want the message to get out and, and the people to be alerted. So he took his messenger into the garden and he took his sword and he cut heads off the tallest poppies within the garden. And then he, and then he said, send this message to my son. And his son interpreted as kill all of the best and highest performing of the city. And, and that's what, what he did pretty accurate visual description do you consider yourself then a tall poppy Ah, uh, i mean yeah i definitely yeah i definitely pursue excellence so um yeah and i guess i've experienced uh that throughout my life i mean like you you can't really uh you can't really do anything in this world without experiencing it at, at some level or not like if if you've heard someone call you a hard out or a try hard like and you'll hear that as as early as primary school or high school then then yeah you've experienced it or you've been the one perpetrating it like either or maybe when we're younger we don't appreciate that especially growing up in New Zealand and you come to the states like I mentioned I came here for rowing though and the way that the Americans talk about themselves and others you're like whoa cool a bit of like a shock at first I don't know how you found it where I'm like oh cool we're we're advocating for ourselves and you've got to but it's actually super uplifting and I'm sure your fellow runner the other Harvey um feeds into that too the way you can like bring each other up is that how you experienced it when you came to the states um I yeah I don't know I I guess I've definitely experienced it on that front in the in, in the states of like uh high performers being being celebrated for sure uh whether it was like the first thing I noticed yeah po po possibly not but yeah I'm definitely a lot more at home uh in the U.S. because I guess there's just a lot a lot of people pushing and trying and celebrating each other and yeah I guess maybe I've spent a few years in New Zealand where that hasn't been the case um I think I think probably that the root of it in like New Zealand and Australia is like we've got this core um cultural ethos of egalitarianism which is basically like we're all equal like everybody's of the same value and yeah everybody is of the same value but like 
you can become more valuable. Like you can become a higher performer and yeah, are you still as much value as a person? Yeah, definitely. But uh, are you more value as an athlete or a creator of a, a large company? Yeah, pro- probably. But yeah, we don't kind of see it that way. Observing sometimes from the outside um, with different leadership, et cetera, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's that. It's more total. I struggle with the word, uh, totalitarianism. Um, so interesting word, definitely for sure. And you touched upon high performance, which is something I just needed to know for you. Like I wanted to know what's a challenge. I think that's ever evolving, but how do you define high performance? High performance. Um, I'm not sure how I would define high performance. I, I guess like in my own lifestyle, it's just like demanding more then then <laughs> yeah de- de- just demanding more in, in every sense of of the word like like I want to live well I want to be healthy I want to be more in every in every way possible when you did the 101 laps you had more than doubled what you'd already like what was the 46 hours before that right like more so I'm looking at that and I'm like how much more can the body like physically do And again, I point people to all the other interviews you've done if you want to dive into that. But the ratio of like that mental to physical high performance and endurance, for example, going into October and you're training for that, how do you even begin to like balance or look at the ratio of your mental and your physical strength? Yeah, I mean, the physical is pretty, pretty easy to be honest. Like the physical was train hundreds of kilometers a week week after week structure your training properly eat well sleep well don't drink too much and yeah basically that's your that's your foundation and then and then i guess the the men, the mental part is is the hard part after that because you've got to have the full equation to 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 get the end result that you're after and yeah i guess you've got to have a solid why as to like why you are doing this because if you don't have a why then yeah you're probably going to talk yourself out you're going to say oh i'm too sore or this is too hard or or whatever because like what i've found like performing at this like top level it's like even the best in the world quite often well most of the time don't reach their physical limit they reach their mental limit first. Like people, even at the top level, give up. They say, this is too hard. They say, I'm too sore or or whatever. And they make up re- stupid reasons that, that they're out and then, and then they quit. And then they either don't start. And in my sport of last man standing, they either don't start the next lap or they allow themselves to slow down and they time themselves out on a lap like they give up before their body has given up it's very seldom that someone actually truly like their their body fails them like every now and then like someone's joints or their tendons or their muscles will absolutely go into shutdown mode and, and and they have to be like escorted off the course like they have to go and be rescued uh 
but yeah, I've only seen it a couple of times where, where, where that's actually happened. So you've got to have a really strong mind. Eric Murray, who I had on a few weeks ago, he said there's only two races in the rowing Kiwi pair situation that he thought we've hit capacity. There's only two. And he said, we did it all the time in training, but only twice in an actual like world elite level did they hit that absolute red line, nothing left. And your sport of last man standing is like, you know, compare it to Eric with the race, it's two kilometers. And so he can time that like, yeah, last, but Tony have done that twice. So when you say, yeah, yeah, a lot of elite top, top levels won't hit that, hit that actual wall where their body's done. Is that something that you think last man standing has unique to any other sport out there? Um, Unique to any other sport, probably not. It's, It's the way in which it's accessed because like in any other sport, like a 5,000 meter run or a marathon or a 2,000 meter row, like you're on an all out effort for a finite period of time. And yes, like, could you push harder in, in that period of time? Like maybe, maybe not, maybe you've pushed as hard as you physically can, but in the last man standing race, like you've only got to run 6.7 kilometers in the space of an hour and honestly like even even someone who's physically impaired can hobble their way around a 6.7 kilometer loop in the space of an hour uh and and all you've got to do is is continually repeat that it's it's basically getting to the point where like your mind wants to give up and your body is still capable of going and you've got to push push through that mental barrier to 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 keep hammering like even when i did the the 101 loops for the with the world record run i was still finishing my loops in like 49 minutes or like 50 minutes so i had like 10 minutes which is like i it's a, it's a it's a hell of a lot of time to like sit down and recover between laps and yeah i kind of i pulled out cuz i'd had a a medical misadventure like a few hours prior and I'd like agreed with my team and the and the and the race director that I was gonna pull out, but like fuck. Was I was I like beaten to shit? Absolutely I was beaten to shit. Like like the wheels were falling off the wagon, but like could I have gone for another day or two? Yeah, like absolutely. Unless something like absolutely stopped me from running, like I could have kept going. And yeah, I wish I had, but I guess I learned from that. Like I know that I can go a lot deeper next time. So I think that like you've said, the limits on this are you're not near. Like the fact that you're like, oh, I could do that for a day or two more. Like so now moving forward, if you get there, if someone comes near you and you're like, unless I'm literally KO'd, don't touch me. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, pretty much. I mean like in all honesty, I I found the because I did the two races in the space of two weeks. And I did the 101 hours and then like a week later I did 43 hours I think it was so it was like 677 kilometers one week and then it was like 288 kilometers the next week and that 288 kilometers was actually harder than the 677 because like I was already damaged from the 677 and then 
and uh, I got kind of cocky off the back of that. Like, I didn't really like the start of the second race. Like, the first couple of hours, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this again? And then, and then I warmed into it. I was like, oh, no, we're having fun. Like, this is within my wheelhouse. Let's go. And so for the first 24 hours, I was going way too fast. Like, like only only five minutes every hour too fast, but still too fast. And, like, the faster you go, the bigger the mess in, in, these, in these types of races. And um, I basically hit the 24-hour mark, and then I was like, oh, I'm out of juice. Like, I was, I was stuffed. And, and so from, like, I want to say from, like, hour 24 through hour 36 of that, of that race, I just hated life. Like, and I've never been more convinced that I was going to, like, fail in a race than that one like and basically hours 24 through 36 in that one i was just out there to punish myself i'd like conceded that i was gonna dnf or like have to pull out of that race at some point and someone else was gonna win it but as punishment for being cocky in the first 24 hours i was like you can you can stay out here and suffer for, for a few more hours at least and, and kind of ingrain ingrain the lesson of of not getting ahead of yourself and um and like i was like shouting at myself in the forest like hating on myself i was like hyperventilating like kind of having like little panic attacks and shit and yeah like that was a bigger mental barrier than i've kind of faced in most other races even the 101 and um and yeah i was able to to smash through that it only took about 12 hours of hating myself and punishing myself but uh got there eventually is the why like the mental why during that 12 hours because you want to learn a lesson like is the why the same every race every run or does it evolve um yeah i guess like i i am trying to do something now i'm not I'm kind of painting a picture and I'm not sure exactly what the final product is, but essentially like what I'm trying to do is be of service to others. And the best way I can do that for others is, is be credible and to be credible. I need to, I need to push through all of these limits. I need to achieve this kind of like higher level of excellence before my message is even worthy of telling and yeah i guess in the in the world record race like i was telling myself like this might be the most important thing that you ever do so just be an adult and get it done like just man the fuck up and finish the job and it was very similar yet different in the second race because I went into that race basically like as a bit of a joke like the 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 race director like messaged me and said hey would you like a free entry yeah after your uh after your world record run and um and come and support and and I know just be part of the festival and yeah within a few hours of them like giving me that I was like well in for a penny in for a pound like let's let's just go and it's just going win it off the bat because like yeah 
world record runs cool but like winning another one like a lot a week later now that's that's actually something that's something worth worth talking about and um yeah while i was out there kind of hating life for for those 12 hours on the on the second day um i was basically like this is my story i'm writing my story right now like and i was just shouting like once i'd kind of like broken through the the hating myself and and hating the race and just not enjoying things i was like this is my story i'm writing it right now like like nobody can take this from me like i am the captain of my ship like just fucking man up own it get it done and that's kind of what i did i i, I was thinking too like i love that and i was even thinking about like spectators right because i understand with the 6.7k loop like you've, you've got to be able to go and rest quickly and start again they can't have like a grandstand but I'm someone who jumped on the F1 train and now I watch it every Sunday and I'm looking at like the backyard ultras and I'm like I can see this in a character like you absolutely like transforming the running space and so this is so off not it's on but off topic like in terms of spectators and people getting involved do you reckon that's like where would they stand or sit like how does that work yeah, so um, that's probably why I like the the backyard so much is because because you're always coming through the race space every hour. Like, it has a festival theme to it. Like, there's all the people that are racing, and then the people that are crewing, and then the people that are overseeing it all. But then there are all the other supporters that are kind of like hanging around in the background, and yeah it's 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 a fucking cool feeling and um it's very enjoyable for the first day or so usually because you've got a real good crowd there and everybody's super pumped uh so like i definitely get that f1 type type mentality uh can be kind of shit towards the pointy end of the race because by the pointy end of the race like unless someone's really invested in the result of that race or whatever, like people go home, like people are properly packed up and gone. Like they've got, they've got work the next day. Like they've, they've packed up their tent, they've packed up their car, they've packed up their family and they're gone. And like, it can be a bit of a ghost town by the, by the time we're getting to the, to the winning end of the race. Uh, so that's kind of sad. Yeah. Festival. Like when you said that, I'm like, I could imagine I don't know like a laneway or like some imagine if like an actual festival was made around it and you just kept doing your laps we need people committed to multiple days because when you're hitting four days uh you need people who are ready to rally the whole time yeah well riverhead relapse is pretty cool so re relapse is like the og backyard event in um in new zealand it's held up in auckland and when you like are coming into the like the last few hundred meters of the race you come into like a like a zigzag and 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 so like you zigzag through all the tents and caravans and stuff and and there's like there's like colorful flags and there's fairy lights at night so the last like few hundred meters at night you're running and it's all lit up and shit it's it's pretty hectic it's cool Oh, and then you've got so people cheering you on for the for the for the last like little bit, which is pretty sweet. 
Yeah, that's so sweet. I um with rowing, it was a terrible spectator sport, and you could only like maybe faintly hear them in the background. So I'm like, can appreciate that when they're there, because that six point seven, if you're only getting them for the tail and the start, probably pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, it'd be cool if you had them. And I'm imagining spectators watching you like yelling at yourself, you're like far out. This guy's like doing. It. And that's one of the questions I really wanted to ask you is like. There's all these words being thrown around, right? Like limitless, relentless. I think generous, inspiring, all those things. Even your dad's a stubborn bastard. I found that <laughs> in one of them. These are like all terms amongst many people use when describing you. How do you, um, I guess, describe yourself if we're going to leave out the runner word? Mm. Stubborn's probably a good one. Uh <laughs> free thinking probably also I I like what I like I yeah I I guess I'm someone who has like a strong gut feeling on things and and I back myself and the very seldom times that I don't kind of back my gut feeling those are those are when I make fuck ups in life uh if if i back myself even though i have odd thoughts or alternative thoughts they're they're they usually see me through so yeah free thinking and alternative and stubborn enough to back it up I, and that actually ties into that overall thing right about like tall poppying is something you have which i think is remarkable is those three words you've used or things to describe you is so unique and I don't know if it's nature versus nurture or what it is but for people who might listen or who are interested in you and they're like well I, I can't back myself or I am constantly like oh what do other people think about me do you have any words of wisdom or advice on how people can like get a little dose of the Sam Harvey <laughs> confidence yeah um stop giving a fuck <laughs> in all honesty like it's very cliche, but we spend like the early years of our life trying to fit in and comply. And then you kind of hit 30 and it's just like, you know what? Fuck all you motherfuckers. Like I'm doing me and unapologetically so. And yeah, I, I had heard of it with like other friends like turning 30 and then it's like your your give a fuck switch just turns off and yeah I'd I'd been kind of like getting towards that point and then all of a sudden like I've obviously like kind of achieved the things that I've been that I've set out for in life in the last like couple of years but at the same time like I've turned 30 and it's just like uh, I ain't got no more fucks to give like <laughs> I'm just doing my thing you don't like it see you later so much because you hear it I'm not hitting that 30 just yet but I'll when I hit it I hope that epiphany comes or I'll embrace it sooner because that's bloody brilliant even like with this when you jump on and I'm like fuck I gotta make sure he has some enjoyment out of this because I could have been like oh no Sam like that's fine do your thing instead I'm like fuck, he'll tell me if he wants to jump off uh let's go with it so I honestly don't want to like impede more of your day I'm enjoying chatting to you but I do have 
an open-ended question, which is you've got this moment in time. I'm so curious what next year is going to bring you, let alone October. Is there anything as like a timestamp goals you want to achieve or just things you want to say uh, September 6, 2023 to like future Sam, I guess, things you want to achieve? No, I mean, like the open-ended question gets kind of an open-ended answer in, in fairness. I, yeah, like maybe since I was in primary school, but like definitely since I was in high school, I was like, I want to be a professional athlete. And like that's gone from being a delusion of grandeur for many years to like absolutely being my reality since the last two months like I think what did I I quit my job three months ago four months ago now I think it is four months ago and yeah since then like I'm just running full-time and coaching full-time and yeah my methodology for like the last few years is like eventually I want to make it a business and to make it a business like I've got to be credible and I've got to be performing at the highest level and yeah I kind of unlocked both of those things now it's like cool so now I can expand my coaching so yeah I'm just going to continue uh, expanding that and teaching more people how to be hectic runners hectic athletes and and break down mental barriers and uh yeah and then continue to build on on my successes and and running which will be yeah some dastardly long uh races and and some yeah unfathomably long runs that are not races and yeah i guess like next on the cards is obviously win the world championship in october and ideally break the break the world record like i'd, I'd like to be the first person or 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 among the first people the first the first group that crossed the the thousand kilometer line in the backyard ultra which will be mind-blowing and then um and then from there that's golden ticket to to the to uh to the barclay marathons next year and yeah basically i'll have my head down learning how to navigate in the forest with a compass um in advance of that and and climbing some ridiculous altitude and then yeah, I want to want to set some FKTs, so some fastest known times for some different runs, so like length of New Zealand and all sorts of shit like that. So yeah, world's my oyster and running now. So I just yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna capitalize on on where I'm at. That is incredible and inspiring, and all those good words, but also just like your name is gonna be all over the record box and I'm so glad that I got to like take the time with you my only sign off question and I'm curious because you're a man who must have a lot of caffeine amongst other things but I ask everyone is if you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life breakfast lunch and dinner and however you incorporate that into multi-day races what will it be it's kind of like a athletically skewed last meal question isn't it mm -hmm. yeah um my mum's eggs benedict what is on there is she like a bacon or salmon or like veggie so what's like, there toasted english muffins 
uh, shaved ham, poached eggs, and my mum makes like the zestiest, most lemony hollandaise sauce that like I've never even had in a at, in in a restaurant. Like it's so far above restaurant quality, and like I could I could eat that every meal. Sam, I, I appreciate you so much. I really am stoked you decided not to cancel this and I will be following along with whatever you do, but thanks for joining and just kind of touching upon this topic of tall poppy and addressing it in New Zealand and abroad. So thank you so much. No worries. Cheers, Grace. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.